through. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jewel Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson and Jake Galley. This past week in sports, the Warriors win games three and four in Portland to sweep the Blazers and head it to their fifth consecutive NBA Finals. The Raptors rally back and win both their home games to even the Eastern Conference Finals at two games apiece. Brooks Kappa wins his second consecutive PGA championship, and Deontay Wilder defends his heavyweight title in a first-round knockout. Here's a fact straight at you. The last three seasons, the Rockets are 5-8 and eight in the postseason against the Warriors. The rest of the NBA is 5-36. and 36. Does this mean the real NBA Finals was in the second round, or does the winner of Bucks raptors have a chance. Why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? That was a goofy thing to say. Cause, well, it's because it's your GM who is saying these things. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not proud that we're boasting, like, look, we're the team that lost to the Warriors the least amount of times. But we still... The Houston Clowns. That's what you are <laughs> when you're trying to do that. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> uh, both of our teams hit the same exact spot yeah, in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. My team went a little bit deeper. Um, but... I, that doesn't make me feel any better to say that the real NBA Finals was in the second round because like that when we lose a consolation finals like that doesn't make me feel any better about it. Um, but to answer that question, like I don't, I really don't see how any team in the Eastern Conference stands a chance against this Warriors team, especially absolute powerhouse, especially the way they've unlocked they, their play without Kevin Durant. I just don't see it. Right, and I mean the Warriors without KD. They come into this series, and even with KD, there probably wasn't a chance of the Blazers winning. Without KD, they go and sweep the series. The Blazers, in three of the four games, held 15-point leads, weren't able to hold any of them. Mm -hmm. It was inevitable. The Warriors are literally Thanos, so they are inevitable. They were able to come back and win all those games. They're also the first to go to five straight finals since the Boston Celtics, and I think they've proven that they can function without KD. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about last episode that, you know, obviously KD is a huge asset to the team. There's no question about it. But they have proven that they are such a powerhouse. Once again, they can thrive without him. I mean, they get back to their grassroots, and when they get back to their grassroots, and we talked about it before, it's the team that went 73-9 and and a team that's unguardable. You hit it on the nose last episode when you talked about Draymond Green, and it just came alive even more in games three and four in Portland. Yeah, he scored 14 points in 10 of 16 playoff games so far after only scoring more than 14 in 10 of 66 regular season games, but it's not really even the scoring it's his ability to work off Steph, as I said. Him in the pick and roll, he had a triple-double in a couple games, was just beastly for them. Uh, and not even on the offensive side. Then you look on the defensive side, which he's never left. He went out and called himself the greatest defender of all time. And honestly, to be no, honest with no, you, no, 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 he no, might no, be no. right, James. No, 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 no. Not the, maybe the greatest in, in this era, of this stretch of Warriors dominance, maybe. But the greatest ever... No, he he may have a he has a huge impact on the defensive. Well, who end. would you say is the greatest defender ever? The the, it's it's hard to quantify. It is because it there's really different is. things that you can do on the court. For me, it's probably Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem is where I was going to go. Uh, he he can just do everything for you. But in the same respect, Draymond Green, like I was having a, this con- argument. I'm not even going to call it a conversation mm-hmm. of what who is the better player if they both retired right now, Dwight Howard or Draymond Green. Ooh. Dwight Howard has I more. Three-time defensive player of the year, very good defender in his own right, carried his team to the finals. But like, 
he's not the same level of defender as Draymond Green is. He's no. defending fives. Draymond Green defends one through five. So Draymond Green did something very interesting over the past week. He, um, in one of his press conferences, said that the team does need Boogie and does need KD. Um, he has been charging the hoop nonstop and was really aggressive in this series to date. Um, he's also been in a, he's also been on a diet since March, losing about 25 pounds, which really helps him blossom without KD and kind of cover the entire court. I mean, look, we see it with Joel Embiid, right? Like, got to be healthy. Your body's got to be able to play you know, through these through these long stretches and through these elongated periods, especially when you're going into May and June playing basketball, your body's got to be able to sustain it. A diet helps that. But to your point about Draymond Green guarding one through five, that's why I might put him above the likes of Hakeem Olajuwon and Dwight Howard. It's because not only his ability to actually guard those guard those players, but what it does for the Warriors on the offensive end is when Steph and Clay aren't exerting that much energy on the defensive end trying to guard the top scorers on the other team. It's how they get going on the offensive end when they're not trying to do that on the defensive end. And Draymond's stats in the series, 16.5 points per game, 11.8 rebounds, 8.8 assists, and now here's the defensive end, 2.3 steals and 2.8 blocks. That's astounding. Like, that really is yeah. a stat sheet stuffer right there. And to be honest, when KD during the regular season and even last year in the playoffs, it kind of seemed like Draymond Green was an afterthought on this team. Uh, there was rumors that him and Steve Kerr and the team wasn't getting along. They might move, try and move on from him. And now it seems like they can't live without him. No, I mean, there were, for the Warriors to try or anyone try to say there weren't any kind of locker room turmoil during the regular season is kind of a lie. You could see it. I mean, Steve Kerr got caught on camera saying, I'm tired of Draymond's shit. Like, he, mm -hmm. he got caught saying it. Steve Kerr wears his heart on his sleeve. He I think does. he's a great whole, leader, very intelligent. The whole team besides Klay Thompson really wears their, their heart on his sleeve. And when you have such an emotional player like Draymond Green, not I mean, not all emotions are good emotions, right? He's going to let tempers fly. And sometimes people aren't going to agree with him. But he what he brings for the Warriors roster and, like, People got to understand it really pains me to say stuff like this because <laughs> I've hung my hat on being a Warriors hater, a Draymond Green hater, a Steph hater, and they're just making it like really, really difficult to do that. Speaking lately. of Steph Curry, um, obviously has the winning mindset here and it's infectious to his environment and his teammates and his impact on the game is so unique. I don't know if I've ever seen him play better, to be honest. He had 36 and a half points average in the entire series. And I thought it was a little interesting how he missed that uh, free throw in the fourth quarter in overtime. It's the first time the first in uh, his yeah. nearly tried four to years. Jinx him and got him, right? Yeah, that, yeah, he doesn't miss those very not. often. And this is why I'm going to disagree with Draymond when they when he says we need Boogie, we need KD. I think he he's trying to say that for rapport reasons and and trying not to just completely uh, have his locker room separated. But like it's clear that they don't need him when they don't have, especially Kevin Durant on the offensive end. Like this is the player that gets unlocked, and it's. Steph Curry. Well, that is true. Steph was totally unleashed, but in this, they, they might not have needed KD for this series against the Blazers, but for the battles upcoming, when you have Giannis running around unimpeded, like I guess you stick Draymond on him, but Draymond's giving up six inches. Like, who knows how tall Giannis is? And, and, and we'll talk about it later, but so is Kawhi, and we see Kawhi can put the clamps on Giannis. Right, when, that's when fair. It, when it comes They're both very to, good defenders. Look, the Warriors don't need KD and Boogie to get out the West. The Warriors needed KD for one reason, and that was to beat LeBron James on the other side. Without LeBron James on the other side, Kevin well, Durant is not needed. And anymore. I'll scale that back. They didn't, and this is like what you'll see bounced around on the internet, is like they didn't even need KD to be on their team. They just, or they didn't even need KD to win. They just needed him to not be on the other, other team. Yeah. They Speaking needed him to not the be on the Thunder. internet and KD, I know he called out uh, Chris uh, 
Broussard. Broussard over Twitter. He was very emotionally invested and protected of his ego over the past week. He randomly responds to people on social media. I think it's a little odd. I think it kind of just justifies why he wants to leave, too. I feel like he feels like he's not getting the recognition that he deserves on such a powerhouse He did team. it to himself. He did it to himself. I don't care. Yeah, that, that, that is really like a... You know, you sucks to suck. You played yourself type situation. Like, what what did you think was going to happen when you go to the best team of all time after they just came back three one against you? Like, he's a goofy for that one. It's and a collaborative effort. It's not a competitive effort when you have that many alphas on one team. Yeah, I'm, it's funny. Like, some someone's just straight up lying in between that. the Broussard, and, Broussard and, and Kevin yeah. Durant. Chris Broussard said me and KD have heated exchanges going back and forth through text. Kevin Durant quote tweets it and says. You know, all cap. You don't have my phone number. So, Listen, like someone's Kyle, lying. Two sides to every story. I strongly believe that. I mean, I think a little bit of both are probably true. How is it both? It's, it's I don't either, know. It's either Kevin Durant's lying about not texting Chris Broussard, or Chris. Well, Broussard yeah. If you want to break it down factual. Te- I mean, that's that's. Or Chris Broussard is just texting, texting someone, someone who isn't Kevin Durant, <laughs> thinking that having Kevin long Durant. conversations with Which some random dude is is also very <laughs> is also like very very possible. And whoever is that Kevin Durant catfish, I give you all the credit in the world because yeah. you really just tricked Chris Broussard right there. Yeah, but on, on the other side of things, the Blazers get knocked out of the playoffs here in a sweeping fashion. Uh, Damian Lillard was not nearly as good as he was, even in the round prior against Denver, which he also took a step back from that OKC showdown with Russ. Uh, you have to give it to him, though. He played through separated ribs reportedly, uh, which is an extremely hard thing to do anytime you're playing with injury. Um, in any I think sport, you can't play with where You're not going to be playing 100%. That goes without saying. Uh, but it was just a case of Portland being overmatched. Uh, and and look, even though Damian Lillard didn't have the series he had against OKC, uh, Myers Leonard made a good point. Like Damian Lillard might have done all that he could. Look, there's a certain point when you're an NBA star that when you're getting doubled and blitzed off pick and rolls, that you gotta the ball's gotta leave your hand. Right. Like, you gotta look to your the, the other players on your team to make plays. He's coming off that high screen roll and immediately seeing two defenders, and not just two defenders, seeing Clay Thompson and most likely Draymond Green, right. two of the best on ball and elite defenders, especially wing defenders and perimeter defenders in the league. So he's coming off of that, and instead of trying to force his way around it or through it or over it or whatever, he's gonna have to give that ball up and make and trust somebody else to make a play and on a consistent basis that next person wasn't always making a play and if your star player can't will you and beat the Warriors I'm sorry your role players aren't going to beat the Warriors yeah I mean just collectively even with the Blazers they were ahead by double digits in three of these games and still couldn't seem to pull it off they're the first team in the last 20 postseasons to blow a 15 point plus lead three times in a series yeah three times that and that's like we said without KD, like it, it really all. Co- and someone who we haven't even mentioned is All Star when he's healthy, Demarcus Cousins. Yeah. Uh, oh. Neither of those guys played, <laughs> and it was still nowhere close. Like that's really the competitive imbalance that the Warriors bring by by getting all these well, guys. So when when the Warriors have Kevin Durant, let me tell you the tendency that happens when the Warriors are down fifteen is we have the second best player in the world, probably the best scorer in the world. Let him work. Let him work. If we're down 15, KD, go get us a bucket. KD, go get us five buckets to get us back into this game. We'll work around you. When they don't have KD, they just don't lose their brand of basketball at all. Down 15, up 15, it doesn't matter. The ball is going to move fluidly. We're going to find the best shot. We're going to get the best offense going. And, like, basketball is a game of runs. So if you're up 15 at some point, 
the Blazers are going to go in a, a shooting stretch where they're not hitting everything. And that's your Where chance. they're going to go in a lull. And when that happens, here comes the Warriors. Like you said, they're inevitable. When they stick to their brand of basketball, which they do all the time without KD, no, really no lead is safe. I mean, especially for the best three-point shooting team of, team of all time, four possessions and the, and the game is over. Yeah, and I thought what was super captivating about that game four was Meyer, Myers Leonard, his eruption. He went for 30 points, 12 rebounds. Three assists, a block, and a steal. And two mighty chest pounds. A, a thunderous <laughs> poster oh. and a mighty chest pound, as you said. Uh, he's a guy who really was kind of, I'm not going to say nowhere to be found. Like, he's just a role player for them. But on that night, he was unstoppable. He was 12 of 16 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3. There was a point in the game where they were doing pick and rolls, uh, and they would double Meyer, Myers Leonard and leave Dame Lillard open, wide open. Well, Damian Lillard wasn't having the outside shooting performance he was having in the OKC, ser- OKC series. So they, they were saying, look, you force Myers Leonard to make the right play with the basketball when getting blitz. A point guard knows what to do and has the good instincts when someone when you're getting doubled to make the right play. A center doesn't always have that. Mm-hmm. So if you go and double and blitz Myers Leonard, there's a good chance he turns the ball over. And to his credit, he didn't. Um, and a lot of people also wanted to try to come at C.J. McCollum for – maybe not stepping up in Damian Lillard's absence. Again, another player who really kind of did all that he could. There's a ceiling that some players have. C.J. McCollum really isn't that takeover-a-game-or-a-series well, type. Well, he did it a little bit. He did it Denver. a little bit, but it's a totally different totally monster different when, when you're working with Golden State. Um, really, it'll be interesting to see Damian Lillard up for a Supermax contract. Uh, that'll be one hundred and like ninety-one million dollars. He said he's you going say on record. That's so casually. So, so casually. Oh, you know, just one hundred ninety-one. Uh, just one ninety-one mil. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too heavy. Maybe but I'll go to McDonald's with that. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll I mean, go, go to the, the drive-through at Burger he King. He said multiple times that he wants to stay in Portland. That this is where he wants to grow. Like I think it's a no-brainer. Um, does, and he, does, does he does he Damian Lillard deserve a supermax from Portland? Yeah, I, I mean he's been their franchise for however long since he's been in the league. I mean, really, maybe you could you could say, okay, they had LaMarcus Aldridge, but really since Aldridge left, he's Not, been since, their sole provider. Since 2014, when he hit that shot over James Harden to take the Rockets out of the playoffs, Damian Lloyd has been the center of the Portland, tra- Portland Trailblazers franchise. I think he deserves a super max or really deserves whatever money he can get out of Portland. But at the same time, if he really wants to try to attract big-time free agents, I think it might be in his best interest to maybe take a little bit of a pay cut or a pay decrease It'll be and, and see what they can go out and get in free agency. It will Look, be very After this year, Portland is has started to become a, a good destination for free agents. To Absolutely. And look, they did all this without their third-best player, well, Nurkic. Nurkic. Yeah. Like, and honestly, you could possibly argue that he is the second-best player depending on the game. I mean, obviously, CJ really came out and showed out and solidified himself as the second-best player. But during the regular season, Nurkic was a beast. Um, And as you mentioned, it's a very ripe year for free agents. There's a lot of big guys out there and who will be changing destinations. Maybe Portland works the way into the mix. Guys, I think what I would like to move on to next would be the possible finals matchup that is ahead of us in the near future between the Warriors or the Bucks. What do we think? Or the Warriors and the Raptors? Well, What What gets a better series, in my opinion, is... Warriors Bucks. Mm-hmm. I think the Bucks match. Why do you with, think that? Because the Bucks are a better three-point shooting team. If you're going to try to match what the Warriors do, you're going to have to shoot well from the outside. Also, the Bucks are a little bit 
longer on the defensive end than the Raptors are, able to defend the perimeter a little bit better. That's fair, but what I'll say is this. The Raptors, between Kawhi, Lowry, Gasol, these are all guys that have been entangled in, in big pieces of playoff series, important playoff series before. Uh, when you look at the Bucks, pretty much everyone on their roster is going through this for the first time. Uh, Giannis. George, George Hill went to the finals last year. With, with oh, is George Hill really going to be the one to combat the <laughs> okay, Warriors? He has experience. <laughs> no, in and that. he's been good. And it, to your point, he's been phenomenal. And I think the later you go, the more that experience and continuity is important. And while the Raptors don't necessarily have continuity, they do have experience. And between Gasol and Leonard, Kawhi, if he would have stayed healthy, uh, what was it last year when he got hurt? Two years ago when Pachulia. Uh, stepped on, it was two, two years, years ago. ago. If he would have stayed healthy, like they were beating up on. Obviously, it's only one half of Game One, but they were beating up on the Warriors. Gasol with the grit and grind, uh, Grizzlies as well. Right. Before going into last night, I personally thought that the Raptors would be the less dominant team for the Warriors to play. Mm-hmm. But after their performance last night, it's got me thinking. They got some back-to-back wins. Why change that dynamic? Half-court defense looks on point. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally seeing some contribution from team members to back up Kawhi, that kind of strengthened numbers there. The Raptors went 17-5 and this year without Kawhi, and sometimes it makes me think that people really do underestimate that ability of the Raptors team without Kawhi. And well, what a playoff series comes down to is your role players. Like the stars are going to be for the most part the stars in the playoffs. That's what that's what they've earned their billing. Um, but your role players have to be able to step up and play well in hostile environments. The Bucks role players play better on the road than the Raptors role players. Like you see players like Norman Powell and Fred and Fred Van Vliet go completely silent when they go on the road, as opposed to George Hill, Chris Middleton, and company, who may not have their best games on the road, but don't go completely flat and go silent. I also think the Bucks play to the Warriors' brand of basketball better than the Raptors play to the Warriors' brand of basketball. Because at this point, the Warriors are so good that you might be playing their brand of basketball that up-and-down, high-tempo, fast-paced brand of basketball, the Raptors like to slow the game down. And against the Warriors, you just can't do that all the time. If you try to, they might run past you. I mean, what I'm most interested in is seeing, like, I do think the Bucks team creates more matchup problems for the Warriors. When you look, I mean, Giannis in and of himself is a walking mismatch. You put Draymond and you're giving up a ton of height, uh, or you put KD and he can really wear KD down to the point where on the other side of the ball, a not fully 100% KD might be a little bit more tired. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I mean, obviously, this series is far from over, which I thought it was. Um, I thought it was the over. Raptors last night able to route the Bucks at one twenty to or what was the score? It was one eighteen. No, no one twenty to one oh two. I was yep. correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that game, I mean, it was a game where the Raptors were able to take off, and anytime the Bucks got close, they were just able to edge that lead a little bit further. Yeah, and Joel, you hit it on the head last week when you said this this series is going to become. Uh, a home court advantage series, which, to be honest, I didn't believe. I thought the Raptors would win one of their two games at home. I didn't believe that they'd win both of them. Game three was kind of weird. It was all up in the air. But I didn't th- think they'd get out of Toronto tying this series up 2-2. Uh, and they did. And, and mm-hmm. credit to the Toronto Raptors. Who stood, up to me, stood out to me last night was Serge Ibaka. Uh, 
Yeah, he definitely came through last night with big shots on the boards and making all of his other shots. And mm -hmm. I, I think he gets the crowd hype, too. He's To me, he's kind of like the Joel Embiid of the Raptors. Well, he's got to do dirty work down there. Like, they, they cannot get... When the Raptors get out-rebounded, we saw it in the Sixers series. When the Raptors get out-rebounded, their game plan falls apart. And the biggest part of that not getting out-rebounded is Serge Ibaka being active on the boards and on the low post. If he can win the rebounding matchup with who he's who he's faced off with, and if he can play great defense, get some shot blocks down there, that energizes them on the defensive end. Yeah, and Kawhi finally looked a little human last night in a couple senses. He only had 19 points on 6 of 13 shooting, but also there's many times during the game where he would do something, especially the one poster dunk over Giannis, he comes down and is limping the other way. It mm -hmm. is that right quad that he seems to be favoring, which is what... Uh, hurt him when he was on the Spurs, even before the year that he sat out and he was dealing with stuff with his right quad. That's another thing to me. If I'm looking for, like, the best finals possible, I'd rather see the Bucks warriors because by the time that Kawhi gets there, if this goes another two, three games, he might be even more badly injured to the point where he's not 100%. And the person who stepped up when Kawhi came back down to earth was Kyle Lowry, which I... I People have been waiting for the all-star, Kyle Lowry, to really assert himself mm. in these playoffs. And Reggie Miller said it last night, like, everyone in Toronto, please welcome Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry to this <laughs> year's playoffs because they have finally stepped up. Kyle Lowry is now averaging 20 points per game on 72% shoot, true shooting percentage this series. Uh, that's something after game one of the first round of the playoffs I didn't think anyone was expecting to say. Kyle Lowry really stepped it up, and he's doing things that – Got, got Kyle Lowry to his name. You know what I mean? Making those hustle plays, making good decisions with the basketball, not trying to do too much and get beside himself. When he just puts his head down and goes to the rim and tries to create something out of nothing, he, he kind of just throws the ball up in the air and doesn't do anything with it. But when Kyle Lowry stays within himself and plays the good kind of brand basketball that really got started when he was at Nova, he's a really good player, and we saw it last night and in Game 3. Guys, speaking of Kyle Lowry, um, I read a really interesting article this week um, done by Lori Ewing of the Canadian Press. She wrote an article this past week on how Jay Wright uses Lowry as an example for his team. Jay Wright mm -hmm. says the tougher the games, the better the lessons. Um, Jay Wright also pointed out that Lowry kind of struggled with his authority, uh, with with authority in general, his freshman year at Villanova. Mm. And he, again, he kind of looks to Lowry as um, almost a showcase to his teams. Mm. Lowry on the off season will go and practice at Nova. He'll be there six forty five, seven seven a.m. in the morning, and he's using him as kind of an example of how disciplined you need to be, how disciplined you need to be as a player to amount to some how, some way, at some point in your life if you ever want to be in the NBA. And I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, Lowry is a hard worker. There's no two ways about it. Like, that guy has struggled a lot at different points in his career, but he's always been able to fight back, turn it around. Like, last year, past couple of years, he struggled in the playoffs, is able to come back, make the all-star team. And now, after he struggled in this postseason, has really flipped the switch. Against the Sixers, he only shot 25.6% from three. This series, he's shooting 48.4% from three he went from incredibly below average to far above average and that's him you heard him say look I need to start giving Kawhi more I need to be 
more of a help to Kawhi than he has been. And to his credit, he, he like you said, he definitely has been. And last year in the playoffs, he has a little bit of a different role than he has this year in the playoffs. Kawhi likes to handle the ball and likes to be um, the, prim- the primary ball handler on offense, where DeMar DeRozan last year liked to play off the ball, get swing passes, get a screen, and work off of a shot that way. This year it's kind of flip-flopped, and Kyle Lowry has to be that person who gets more of the place off the ball, which uh, I'm telling you a point guard doesn't like to do. A point guard is a primary ball handler. But in today's NBA, it's kind of positionless basketball, so your best player is mainly your primary ball handler. So Kyle Lowry has adjusted to that beautifully. When you have great defensive teams, especially teams who have multiple players who can defend multiple positions like the Sixers do, you're going to struggle like that. But when you get a favorable matchup against maybe an Eric Bledsoe, who is a very good defender in his right, just one first-team All-NBA. When you get a favorable matchup, maybe against George Hill or somebody like that, then you get a little bit better and a little bit more open looks. Well, speaking of Kawhi, too, he only took 13 shots last night, and I thought that was real interesting. I know he got hurt. He's hurt. We were just talking about how Kawhi is human. Remember last week I said, oh, Kawhi's not from this earth. He's not from this planet. But um, he did get hurt, and in his post-game interview he said, no excuses. No excuses. Yeah, even his, even his coach, man. Nick Nurse, said he went to him and he said, how you doing, Kawhi? And Kawhi said, like, I'm hurting, man. It, like, my body hurts. Right. But then he he's immediately right after said, it's the playoffs. Like, every, everybody's body hurts. Yeah, no, he is, he no, is built no like a robot. He's yeah. a Spurs robot that is now on the Raptors. So, mm-hmm. uh, But back to the Bucks, really quick. I think that what it comes down to, and as you said previously, is the role players. And on at least last night in game four, that bench was monumental for the Raptors in that game. Norman Powell chipped in. He gave them 18 points. Van Vliet gave him 13 points. Ibaka, as you mentioned, 17 points. 13 rebounds off the bench in like 24 minutes is crazy. But all players that go bye-bye on the road. Well, right, and that, that is why, as Jules said, it's a home series. Mm-hmm. If you're home, and a lot of your guys who might not be stars necessarily but are good players, both of these teams are filled with them. Those guys are elevated at home and the inverse for when they're on the road. Well, and what I thought was going to happen was whoever's bench won the matchup was going to win the series. And it's not necessarily in particular right. who's, it's not really the who's bench. bench, it's who's role players. If you still got role players in the starting lineup, I would consider Danny Green a role player. I would consider, you know, George Hill, Eric Bledsoe role players. Those are guys who start. And I do want to make a point, too. Like, with that home court advantage comes the fan base with it. Yeah, and I, I, I think it, yeah. the energy that Toronto has, especially with Drake sitting on the side, getting in people's heads, I think that's so influential on the game. I really do. Look at Philadelphia. We're all we're some of the most weird fan base. Right. It's just unreal. You guys are but I'm not, I'm not saying Milwaukee's not, but last night they weren't in Milwaukee. They were right. in Toronto. And I think their fan base is so gun-ho for that team, and mm-hmm. I just, I think it's amazing. I mean, I really you do. got Drake jumping around on the sideline, you got Turban Bull doing his thing, uh, like Turban that. <laughs> Toronto is <laughs> a hostile place to play. Yeah, um, and and, throat and we, we were saying this earlier that the Stars are going to do their star things, right? Mm-hmm. Middleton and Giannis last night combined 20 for 32 shooting from the field, the rest of the team goes 17 for 48. Um, so when, when those role players don't step up, and it's still in a close game, like imagine if, well, I mean, close-ish game until the the last minutes, but imagine if, if they got production from one of those players. Like, Nikola Mirotic has not shown up yet in this series at all. Looked terrible last night. Yeah. Uh, what, what really, I think, deserves the most props out of all of the people who we've touched on is Nick Nurse, because 
what he's done, not only on the defensive end, which he's put Kawhi, more Kawhi on Giannis. Giannis clearly looked like he was hesitant going to the rim. He would get to the rim and then throw it out the other way. Um, and then also on offense, his ability to kind of lean more so on these Van Vliet characters, on the Ibakas. Uh, in the last two games, the Raptors have 60 assists on 81 made field goals. That's like astronomical right. right there. They're sharing the ball, and on the defensive end, they're just working as a team. And and it's it's crazy that someone with the height and stature of Giannis is still scared to take on Kawhi in the paint. Because he has active one. hands. It's like, like you can dri- you can be as long as you want. If you can't put that ball on the floor without fear of him coming in and grabbing it clean, then there's nothing you're going to be able and to Giannis do. And Giannis doesn't have the tightest handle. He's tall, so that dribbles high, and that, right. that's prime yep. time for Kawhi to swipe. It, it's When this series goes back to Milwaukee, and now it's more interesting because neither team has consecutive games at home now. Now it's 1-1-1. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's going to be very, very interesting to see how teams pull together because let let Toronto mess around and swipe this game five in Milwaukee and the series really gets turned on its head. Like that's that's very mm-hmm. interesting. Guys, you know what I want to talk about now? I want to talk about some baseball. You've been waiting to talk about. Baseball. I have been waiting yeah, to waiting. talk about baseball. I love my Phillies. I love baseball. I love Tis baseball the season. Too. It's gonna dominate the summer, so we might as well dip our toe into it now, right? Very yep. excited for it. Well. Go ahead. Here's a very interesting baseball fact. Okay. The point. 065 difference in batting average between first place Cody Bellinger and second place Jorge Polanco is the same difference between second Polanco and 56th place Eduardo Escobar. That's nuts. That, Dude, that is pretty nuts. Bellinger's killing it this year. He is. I mean, he did it. He did this last year and his rookie year, right? He came out the gate so hot and then toward, after the All-Star break kind of tailed it down and then absolutely went silent in both yeah, of those Yeah, talk World to me series. in the postseason. That is true. Yeah, like, come both on, Both of those World Series <laughs> went completely flat. I mean, to, to his defense, he had to play the Astros and then the Red Sox in the World Series. Like for young, a young, He's a young kid. For too. a young player having to go up against like Verlander, Keiko, and then Price and Sale, like that's hard, but... I mean, He's Cody learning. Bellinger. Let's let's not let's not shy or take anything away from Cody Bellinger and the Dodgers as a whole. What they're doing right now, the Dodgers are one of the best teams in baseball. Well, let me ask you, who's had the best start in the MLB, player and team wise, to you? What I'm what I'm gonna say is, I know Cody Bellinger is pretty much leading every major statistical category on yeah. the offensive end right now, but I gotta look to Christian Yelich um, to have the best best start out the gates. In the MLB, maybe because I just don't want to talk about Cody Bellinger anymore. <laughs> but I also don't want to really talk about Christian Yelich. Like, I'm not a huge Milwaukee Brewers fan. The Phillies kind of butt heads with them all the time. But Christian Yelich, as a two-hitter, what he's doing in that lineup, hitting the ball in all places of the field, um, getting on base, uh, hitting home runs, scoring, running RBIs, and having great defensive presence, like, Christian Yelich is defending that NL MVP very well. Yeah, he's leading the league in home runs with 19 when we're recording this. Uh, he he is an absolute steal from those Miami Marlins. Like, yeah. when the Marlins kind of, you know, gather their eggs and look around, I have to think that Derek Jeter's kicking himself for blowing everything up. Well, think about who the Marlins had at one point. Let's run through it. John Carlos Stanton, Christian Yelich, JT Romuto, Marcelo Ozuna, uh, D. Gordon. D. Gordon, like, oh my gosh. How they and were so RIP, bad from, Jose Fernandez. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was terrible. Together, yeah. Right. But, yeah, I mean, back to Yelich, Milwaukee, they're, they're succeeding, and he has been really a boon for them. Mm-hmm. Who's really standing out to me right now are the Texas Rangers. Um, Hunter 
Pence in particular. Former Philly. I can get with Former Philly. Last year, he only played in 97 games because he hurt his thumb. A year before, he played a full year, but he was so-so. He only played in 389 out of the 648 regular season games with the Giants from 2015 to 18. He's hitting the ball really hard now. He's finally healthy. Um, I don't know how many people really know this. He actually went to work with uh, Doug Lotta. One on one. Uh, it's for those of you who don't know who Doug Lotta is. He teaches hitting at an industrial park in California, what he calls <laughs> the ballpark the in ball California. Park. Of course he does. That's it, the most baseball thing the, I've ever heard. There's only life. yeah, I know. It's like come on, dude, be a little more great. Give us something more insightful. <laughs> <laughs> like come on now. Um, he has no affiliation with the MLB though. This guy, no affiliation. He does it out of the goodness of his heart. He genuinely loves the game. Um, he has done work with LA Dodgers, Justin Turner, San Francisco Giants, Mac Williamson as well. And I, I just think it's really cool that he's tapped in a Douglotta and it's really improved his game. And go ahead. Uh, not only uh, with Pence, but also on that Ranger team is Joey Gallo is absolutely mashing the baseball right now. He was a piece that uh, was almost in the trade package too. We mentioned the Phillies almost sent to the Phillies uh, in exchange for Cole Hamels. Mm. That ended up not happening, and I'm sure they're glad right now he is absolutely uh, crushing the ball all over the diamond. He's a good young prospect as well. What is very surprising to me is the first-to-worst act that the Boston, the Boston Red Sox are doing right now, like mightily struggling, um, not really due to any injury, but just doing due to just getting out of the gate slow and a slow start, and not really a team that you would think would have a championship hangover due to how much success the Red Sox and just the whole city. You know, of when I think has. about the uh, the Red Sox, uh, besides um, the movie The Town, the, the, I, I love that movie. That's a banging movie. That is if a great, anybody, no, no, and and The Departed. Movie. And uh, you know what? I kind of have Boston a, heart, movies. a little heart for Boston, aside from the Celtics. Screw them. But uh, when I think of the Boston Red Sox, I think of, hey, you know Big Poppy. Uh, <laughs> my guy. We'll, we'll be a Boston Red Sox legend forever. They'll, and the, they'll turn it around. Look, there's a lot of games in the baseball season. Mm-hmm. Boston right now we're is like around, we're yeah, in May. around 500 right now, time. actually. Um, and I, I'm, they have enough good players. Right, they're they're back sure. up to like 12th in the in the MLB standings, which I think two weeks ago they were one of the worst teams. So the fact that they're already climbing up should be scary. for. But that, that AL East, as always, is really good. Uh, the Yankees are surging as one of the best teams in baseball again. Um, that that Clint Frazier and Glamer, Clint Frazier and Glamer <laughs> Flores are doing what they normally do. Um, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays are good again. All of a sudden, yep. the Rays are one of the best teams in baseball. Like the AL East is really good. But uh, a player who's making a splash on the scene for some people say good, some people say bad. I like to say good is my man Tim Anderson, shortstop for the Chicago White Sox, kind of the leader of the let the kids play movement. Uh, this whole thing that's going down, the MLB's new mantra, him and, like, Javi Baez, who killed the Phillies last night on a mm-hmm. walk-off. But Tim Anderson right now um, is having a year, uh, batting three twenty-three, eight home runs, 24 ribbies. Not a whole lot of power coming out of him. You can see him in his power numbers, but he's just he's, he's just a solid player and a, a flashy and a very dynamic that's player. That's the thing. I love it. I mean, you say he only has eight home runs, and if you were to just look on social media, I would think that this guy's like Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah. Like, every time he hits a home run, the back gets flipped up in the air. He turns around, he's well, he screaming. Has, he has two walk-off home runs under his belt this season. Right, yeah. uh, and for, he's and that's the eight home runs. It's a decent pop from his, from the shortstop position, especially when he's batting around 320. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his third year in the league, and he is someone who has become kind of a controversial figure. As you said, 
all that bat flipping and all that uh, some rah, people call rah, it, yeah, yeah. rah rah taunting, whatever you want to call it, is directly against old traditional baseball, and you know that 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 battle that's going on. Right the now. old, what, like the baseball traditionalists and purists are gonna like things change, man. Like baseball started in what eighteen. 40 Baseball's or not like that. the same as it used to no, be, and people no need to is. learn that no the sport is. the only constant is change. Yeah, I heard on. that the other day, and I loved Box. it. But it's true. If you're not adapting to the environment, if you're not <laughs> adapting to the media, I'm, I'm pulling out some Gary V right Whoa, now. Yeah, so I, I, I'm like, Whoa. I'm with it right now. I'm pulling like, out some Gary V right now. Y'all realize the bar Jewel just dropped. That was crazy. It's true. It's true. That was like super like Buddha of me. But it's it's true. Look, and I'm I'm I don't know if anyone really our age group really subscribes to that. Like the keep the baseball in its purest form. But I don't know what you expect when you ask players to dedicate pretty much their entire year, especially if you play baseball. Like, your season is six, seven months long, your regular season, let alone if you go to the postseason. You're asking a de- for them to dedicate so much time, energy, money, and resources into not only getting better, but then to play this game just for you to watch them, right. uh, for the better of them, and then ask them to not show much uh, much emotion and much heart out on the field. Like, I don't get that. So I'm I'm fully behind Tim Anderson. I was a middle infielder when I played too, so I like really resonate with him. That's my guy right there. Like yep. Tim Anderson, keep doing what you're doing, man. Changing, we watch him. Changing things. We watch him. Guys, speak some facts to me. Damian Lillard said, I'll look at the film of the Warrior series and critique myself off of that. But I think overall I had a great postseason. Is he speaking facts? Dame, I get what you're saying, my man. Um, and I defended him earlier and said he's pretty much done all that he could do. If you look at just the OKC and Golden State series, I probably would be able to get behind him. But I can't say that he's speaking facts because that Denver series really put a stain on his postseason. He had a good one. He didn't have a bad one. I wouldn't say he had a great one. I, I don't know. I think that for the first time in his career, he's really happy. I mean, they got to the Western Conference Finals. That's their best since 2000. Um and he was a huge part of that. He's been getting better every year. I think that this is probably his most successful postseason it's his yet. His deepest postseason. I mean, last year they got swept. I mean, so I mean, how can how can't you come off feeling better about it? Because you got swept again. Well, <laughs> like, he had a separated rib. Uh, I don't know how on, much. Making excuses for people now. He didn't have a great. He didn't have a great postseason. I'm not gonna say he had a bad one, but to say he had a great one, to sit here and say like overall I had a great postseason, there's nothing to scoff at me about. Uh, so I, we'll settle on good. Okay, sure. <laughs> good postseason. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Magic Johnson said. Now, this guy again. Here we go. <laughs> Magic Johnson said, when being asked about LeBron James in LA. It's going to happen. He's going to win that chip in L.A. Is he speaking facts? Uh, no, because if he thought that, he probably wouldn't have left or would have left in a different manner. Like, I mean, it's one thing to say it, but to actually believe it, he, he tweets out these big overviews of like, ooh, Steph Curry had 30 points, five rebounds, and five assists. Good job, <laughs> Steph. I know you're watching those series, Magic. I know that you see what the Warriors are doing, even without KD. Like, come on. Here's what I'll say, Jake. You sat with me in 2016 and watched LeBron come back down 3-1 against that same Warriors team. I'm not going to sit here and definitively say LeBron is going to win a chip in Los Angeles, but I will say to you the same thing that we all said in 2016. If there was a man to do it, it would be LeBron James. Hate to say it. Hate to see it, but I actually agree with you there. (laughs) Thank you. All right. The NBA on ESPN tweeted, Drake might just be the NBA's new Spike Lee. Are they speaking facts? Jake, you're going to cringe. And you're already cringing when I'm saying this, but like people gotta lay off Drake, man. Like I get, I like, that, I, I like him too. Like I get that he missed a playoff game, but Drake is on a whole like Drake is on a different level than Spike Lee is right now. Um, but on terms of 
super fan in terms of supporting your team and doing just as much for the city of Toronto and for the Raptors organization, like, Drake might be the NBA's new Spike Lee. If it's not Drake, who is it? Uh, well, right, maybe he's the new Spike Lee. I don't know. Spike Lee, here, here's what digs at me with Drake, because I agree he's doing a good job as a fan getting under the skin of opponents. He is the biggest profile out of anyone there. Of course, whatever he does is going to be amplified. However, he I do that. not agree that he should be touching the coach, be touching players. Well, I like agree with that too. There, was a, not... there was a point in game four where, like, Toronto hit a big shot and wasn't a timeout, wasn't commercial break, and he goes up and, like, massages Nick Nurse. <laughs> I was uncomfortable watching it. I can't. I can only That's imagine. That's like super distracting to just like just everybody weird. involved. And like, like everybody. And it's funny because Nick Nurse stays staring at the jumbotron when he does it, but you can tell <laughs> Nick Nurse had a what the hell kind of moment. Like what? Bull? Like what are right. you doing? He's like putting his bottom lip. Like right. what is going Security on? Guy. But but look, Spike Lee was front row. Drake is front row. Spike Lee gets in the head of players. Like Spike Lee and Reggie Miller had a little feud. Of course. Drake and Giannis had a little feud. Drake and Embiid had a little thing going on. Yeah. Like come on now. No, like, that's good. Drake is doing what. Spike yeah. Lee did. I don't have a problem. With and look, the Knicks never won a title when Spike Lee was there. Like, so if if Toronto does win a title while Drake is there, he might surpass him. All right, guys. Andre Iguodala said, "Curry is the second best player ever, only behind MJ." Is he speaking facts? That's so ridiculous of him to say, especially after getting a forty ball put on him every night by the guy <laughs> who is the best. Player. Right, who is the best player in front of MJ and in front of Curry, LeBron James. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's saying it to, to, to pipe up his teammate. I mean, all right, good for you, Iggy. Like, what did you gain from it? What do you gain from saying S- that? Smoking the finest of dopes. Right, it's, like, it's it must where, be good Cali I, weed over I, there right, or something. That's what I'm like, saying. What that's what, I don't know. I, he doesn't even, like, gain anything from saying that. It's just a wrong statement. And, <laughs> like, since he said it, has you have you heard anyone come out and back him up? Like, I think he said it and went back in the locker room, and all the Warriors are like, bro, what, 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 why'd you say that? Yeah. We have to play him next we, year. You know we still have to play LeBron. Like, why, why would you say that? Look, this is why I. This is why it makes me mad when Steph Curry has a little bit of a good stretch, just a little bit of a good stretch. People like bow down. Really. And we, like, yeah, we I start know, getting I know. this. Like, we do we like we forget that when Kevin Durant was here, he had a subpar playoffs through the first. Four games, five games of the Rocket series. Steph Curry was not looking like this. I now, think society he has, like he's one good series, and now all of a sudden he's the second best player under MJ. Like society, stop ex- it. especially the media, puts the Curry family on a pedestal. It really makes and me sick. And it just to it, it adds to their ego. It adds to their just publicity. In Look, general. When you score really? thirty-four and a half or thirty-five and a half in a series, you're going to have some asinine things said about you. No, That's but just it's how every it goes. Time. Like I just saw on Instagram today, people are going. Uh, Don't do it, James. I'm going to do it. Okay. People are going Steph versus AI one on one. Who you got? I've never taken Steph Curry over AI. Just because one on one is purely just getting the ball in the bucket. That's different. That's I'm not, different. I'm never but in, in, a, in the scheme of a game, don't make me throw something at you. All right, guys, moving to the countdown. Number five. Uh, number of consecutive NBA Finals, the Warriors have made i'm gonna go ahead and just i'm super early i'm gonna do it anyway they're gonna make it next year too there's there's nothing that can be changed about this this is what i've realized in this blazer series that even without kd even without boogie it just doesn't matter mm. you sound like the whole world when it, when Thanos snapped his fingers uh, yeah no, yeah there's just nothing yeah. to do but i will say this let lebron get ad and Kyrie or whatever Kawhi, whoever he wants to get, let him get his two superstars. We're gonna see if the Warriors are still big and bad next year. That's all I'll say. All right, guys, number four. Number four. I'm tired of talking about these guys, but the <laughs> number of consecutive 35 point games Steph Curry has had this playoffs, he had 35 points in all four games of the Blazers series. Look, he's the best shooter of all time. 
He's one of the streakiest players of all time. He like Steph Curry is a great player. I will not disagree with that, but let's just pump the brakes on saying he's anything better than the best shooter of all time and a great player. I mean, let's also another possible little knock against Steph is that he was be- being guarded by Dame, who had a separated rip. So yeah. you're not being guarded by, and by he's never group. known as an elite defender. Like look, look what happens when Pat Beverly guarded him. A little different story. Mm-hmm. Number three. The number of Boston teams to make the championship round of their sport in the last eight months. Title town, baby. Oh, my gosh. It is disgusting. Like, listen, that little kid, I know he's out there with the sign. <laughs> he's waiting to add to the sign. I see it every year when they win. I've seen X amount of championships. It just sickens me. And then Boston fans will go look you directly in the eyes with a straight face and say, Oh, no, we're poor and put upon. Yeah, the NFL's out to get us, actually. Like, uh, shut up. And look, if they're, they're t- I don't think any any city right now cannot overtake them as title town. They clearly are. And the, if the Brewers win it, then it really will just be the Celtics of the, four, of the four major sports teams that haven't won a championship this year for Boston. And we have a friend, Cam, if you're listening, we have a friend, Cam Cook, from Boston, who will sit here and tell us that winning championships is mundane for him now. Like, he does not feel the it's same not just him after winning championships. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard yeah. in my life. Something very thing. interesting before we go on to number two that, because we all know that Chris Long retired this week, he made a comment saying that I Bill Belichick actually, we all know Bill Belichick's, a, you know, he's just so, so talented all over the field, especially when he's coaching in practice. And Chris Long made that point this week. He said between the Patriots and the Birds, Bill Belichick was so well-rounded when he was coaching people one-on-one, he could coach the defense, he could coach Mm -hmm. the offense. And that is why they are a powerhouse team. Now moving on to number two. Number two, sticking with Boston and the Patriots, the number of years Julian Edelman has just re-signed with the Patriots. Look, Julian Edelman is one of the, if not the most important pieces besides Tom Brady on the Patriots. As long as Tom Brady has a steady target to go to like Julian Edelman, the Patriots offense may not wear it. Yeah, and especially now they're adding Nikhil Harry, who can kind of replace Gronk as that jump ball target and mm-hmm. allow Edelman to slot back in right where he's used to. Yeah, people better get used to the Patriots not really going anywhere anytime soon. Number one. <laughs> the number of rounds Deontay Wilder needed to nearly kill Dominic <laughs> Brazil. As he said, it, this is the only sport that you can kill a man in the ring. He damn well tried to do it with that right straight. Oh, my gosh. Right, like, and, and I'm interested to see if we get a Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua fight because that'll be just raw strength versus good boxing technique because Deontay Wilder, there's no technique in Deontay Wilder's game. It's square straight up, and right. if I catch you, you're going left, to right. Okay, blocked it. All right, here we go. Left, right. Read him a bedtime story. That's what. He, <laughs> that's really what he does. Uh, that's all we got time for today. It's time to go at the buzzer. Julie, got anything to say at the buzzer? She's I going to get do. props. She's I going got to get props. my props. Oh, okay, no, I'm gonna say this on behalf of myself, James, and Jake, and Straight Facts in general. I want to wish everybody a very happy and safe Memorial Day weekend. As Mr. LeBron James would say, he's taking his talents to South Beach. I am taking my talents to the next best place. <laughs> South Jersey, baby! Orlando <laughs> South! Let's get it! Oh, Woo! my God. First of all, can I, can I see this? This is as big as my head. That's about well, it. First of all, the I camera can see this. Uh, for our audio right now, this is what looks to be like a paddleboard, what you train kids with. Uh, Jewel, I hope you're not oh, planning on going out into the ocean with this because you will not make it alive. I'll do my laps. 
Yeah. Okay. Jay, you got something to say at the buzzer? Uh, yeah, so just uh, <laughs> shout out to our audience. Next week, we're going to start up doing giveaways. The first giveaway is going to be a pair of sneakers um, designed by my sister who does a lot of cool drawings. You can check her out at Veda Studios, V-E-T-A Studios. We're going to be giving it away. All you have to do be comment, tag three people, and be following us, and you'll be able to get a pair of shoes customized with your favorite team on them. But more information on that will be on our social media. Check it out. Uh, that's awesome. And, yo, your sister does some really – I'm telling y'all, y'all want to get at these shoes because his sister does a really dope job um, with customizing these shoes. She might have to let me hold a pair of shoes. Yeah, maybe, man. Real quick. Uh, all I got to say at the buzzer is it is my mom and stepdad's uh, anniversary this Aww, weekend, their wedding yes. anniversary. I'm going to help them out and do some babysitting duties as mm. older brother and watch my little brother and sister. Um, just of, of all the people out there, um, if you're able to see just a good, healthy, steady marriage for long years to come, you know the love that goes into it. Um, I look up to these two, and I hope that someday uh, James can find a, you know, a little love Aww. of his own and have a long-lasting marriage like that. But let me hop off my soapbox for a minute. <laughs> uh, that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Big ups to Greg Barron Kyle Sobieski and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera for my partner Joel Schmitz. It's been real, it's been fun, it's been real fun. To my main man's Jake Galley, I'm James Jackson, and these have been the facts. Straight up.